Welcome to Season 8 of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a fascinating journey into the lives of top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories many you've never heard before. I'm your host, George Hoffman, and please follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and through our partnership with Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is proudly sponsored by Mr. Duct, Chicagoland's premier comprehensive air duct cleaning and ventilation for residential and commercial properties. Their motto is simple. They're upfront and honest. Find them on the web at mrductcleaning.com. This week, we feature the popular and outspoken former manager of the Chicago White Sox, Ozzie Guillen. That's why you have to be careful about now, nowadays. Nowadays, is that what I say back in the days or what you guys asked me about about it? Well, I don't think we have a job right now. We'd be, we'd be long gone because back then it was more, more trust, more friendly, and less people uh, with a soft heart, if you can put it that way. To say there isn't a word Ozzie Guillen wouldn't utter is an understatement. The gregarious Guillen guided the White Sox to a World Series title in 2005, the team's first in 88 years. His eight-year reign was tumultuous, to say the least. It was fraught with controversy, some of his own doing, some others. Guillen was the American League Rookie of the Year in 1985 and spent 13 of his 16 years playing on the south side of Chicago. These days, he's still involved with the White Sox only as a studio commentator, and he might be just as popular now as he ever was as a player. So, Ozzie Guillen, tell me a story I don't know. Oh, wow. Do you know about the story you don't know? I don't know why people are always second-guessing me when I always pay my taxes. I never beat my wife. I never drink <laughs> and cry. Uh, I never got caught doing anything wrong. Uh, I think the people, you know, my kids all went to college. You know I mean? You talk about a good life, a family life. It's great. I think people, they don't know that about me. Every time they hear about me, just a guy create a lot of crazy things, create uh, when he say talk too much. But uh, be honest with you, if you come from where I come from, it's just something nobody know about it. They nobody know where I come from. Uh, they know I'm from Venezuela, but they exactly they don't know uh, how I grew up back home and the people I grew up with, the people I was around with. And they will say, you know, okay, now we know why Ozzy is so outspoken. I, I something you don't know about me. I say I don't own anything, anybody, anything. I think that's why maybe I'm in that way. Uh, I uh, I was lucky to have people believe in myself. Uh, I had lucky to people give me opportunities, but besides that, everything I did, everything I do in life, I try to do the best I can day in and day out. You know what I mean? I try to be the best father, try to be the best husband, best grandfather, best shortstop, best manager, you know, best coach, third best coach. You know what I mean? I, obviously, unfortunately, I was the best in any, but I try. <laughs> but it, it's just, uh, you know what I mean? Right now, I'm working on TV. I try to do the and you know, give the best I can to the audience. I have fun doing it. Uh, and something they don't know about me, that's easy. How about this? That's the first time having fun around baseball. Let me be cocky now. Mm-hmm. Nobody in baseball, in baseball, Chuck, know this ball club better than Ozzie Guillen. No one. 
No one. It is going to be real for him say, Ozzy, can you do this? Because nobody, no matter who you call, what you call, if be better managers than me, better person, better whatever it is. But nobody in baseball right now knows this ball club better than Ozzy Guillen. Sorry. You know what I mean? Uh, the job I have is, uh, is, is something, uh, uh, wow. I, I'm, I'm very lucky to have that job, first of all. But I mean, wow, I enjoyed my life uh, and still in the game. Uh, with the uh, with the people at work, very legit people, very nice, very honest, uh, uh, very open. And uh, I, right now, I, I'm living the best life I have in baseball. You have my, my grandkids growing up, and I'm, I'm doing what I want. And family is great, you know. I me, mean? it's, it's something people they don't know how happy I am because people when they see me, they see me argument, they see me talking in the papers and go crazy. There are people that don't know how happy I am and how happy uh, my family made me just to be around them. Let me interrupt you for a minute. When you say people see you as crazy, do you think you're crazy? Well, no, I just outspoken. You know I me, mean? leaders, talking about leaders, you know, see, you can see leaders uh, with a lot of problems. You know, see a leader can talk. Every leader around the world, everyone, president, for the reason they're president, they can talk, they convince people. They, they say stuff people, they don't know about them. They don't know anything. They, know, they try to take a step of a father than anyway. Uh, crazy? Nah, not really, because, uh, listen, uh, crazy people drink and beat the crap as his wife. Crazy people go out and have kids besides their family. Crazy people forget about paying taxes. Crazy people don't worry and don't care about the kids, their own problems. Uh, no, that's the way people, uh, I, I think they see me like, uh, well, I'm not talking about crazy Looney Tunes missing something in my brains. Mm -hmm. It's crazy because so many people don't, don't are the way they share are they, you know I mean? They just, uh, I'm different. You know what I mean? What I see, what I feel, I say it, but I guarantee you 99% I say come out of my mind or my mouth. They can say whatever they want, but it's 99% for sure and a fact. I never lied to anyone. I tell well, I lied sometimes. I told my wife, still love you. After 40 years being married. Uh, you know, who know? Who know I, I've been married for 40 years with the same. I'm not gonna say high school girlfriend because I never went to high school. Mm -hmm. But the lady, she was 15, I was 16. And since that day we met each other, we've been together to right now. It's quite a story how you met Ebus. And this is now, what, 40 years ago? No, a little more than 40 years ago. You met in Venezuela. Tell me a story I don't know. How you met on a bus? Well, I, I was broke. <laughs> we won. <laughs> broke. Uh, we live in a, a, a very nice, you know I mean? Very nice uh, apartment building. Very huge complex. Uh, working people. I was in the line. I just came from spring training, winter league spring training. And it's a huge line, huge line in the bus, huge line. It might be taking another two hours to get to the to get into the bus. I was the first one in the line when uh, she approached the, to make the line. Uh, I grabbed her and said, you can, you know, you can go with, you know, go with me, you know, jumping, you know, how to make the line. And people went crazy. When people go crazy in Venezuela, they just loud and <laughs> Me out and all the stuff. I say, hey, this is my girlfriend. I I, <laughs> I never met him in my life. I said, oh, this is my girlfriend. She's she she's still. I think she's more beautiful now than was then. And uh, we we just babies. 
And, you know, people don't say it. And by the way, uh, in the way down, I only had 10 Bs. This is the money in Venezuela. Uh, and I had to pay. I don't have the money to pay her, 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 round, her round trip. Mm -hmm. I don't have no money. Then I, the money I have is to pay me to go down there and come back to Caracas next day. And I spend my money on her, like try to be a nice gentleman. I said, no, oh, don't worry about it. I take care of the, the bus, the ticket, the bus and the ticket. And I did pay. Then when I pay, I say, oh my God, how am I going to come back tomorrow? <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know. Eddie Adrianza is Adrianza's father. We grew up together. The kids play for Minnesota, play for the, the different ball club here in the big league. Adrianza's father is my, my best friend growing up. And I asked him for, can, can I borrow five bucks, uh, five bees? Mm -hmm. And five bees by then it was a lot of money. And but we did it. But I, after that, you know what I mean? We, we've been together since that day. Wow. Did you ask her to go to a, a party or something? Yes, we did. That's it. The next, that Saturday, we are very salsa, salsa fans. And I asked my wife, I said, hey, you, you, you know, uh, this Saturday we have a party in, in this place. Uh, she bring a friend and I was there with my, all my friends. And also we danced a lot. We danced, we danced almost all night and, when we go to drop her in in her building, uh, my friend have a nice car, and it, that car was packed. The friend she came with, it was in the back of the of the van, and I walk in, I drop her up, then I go in the car, I say, hey, what happened? I say, no, we just, yeah, she got, she's my girlfriend now. I was lying. She even kissed me, she even nothing, you know what I mean? Nothing at all. <laughs> and I told my friends, hey, yeah, she's my friend, my girlfriend now. And spend a week, week later, and, and a week later we have a, another party, and I was doing the salsa DJ, and my friend Aiden, uh, come on, say your girlfriend just show up. I swear to God, I almost pass out. First time I feel so weird, like how and now I got to control this, this when I know she even kissed me, she even care about me. She just went to my invitation because she liked, she loves salsa. And I said, okay, tell her to come over. She come over and, and I kiss her. And people, all my friends denied. They said, like, it's not your girlfriend. She's too beautiful for you, blah, blah, blah. She working. <laughs> she go to school, you know, you know what I mean? Different route. And when they saw, they saw me kiss her, he went out and told the people, oh, my God, yes, I saw her kiss each other. Well, I said, kiss her. Uh, and uh, yeah, they are girlfriend, and she almost got attacked. Thank God she she not slapped me. <laughs> Back then, if I do that now, I'll be, I'll be in jail. Uh. Like it, guys, kiss me with, with with no permission. But since that day, since that kiss, all the way to to today, uh, she's the she's the one we be next to me for all these years. That's really and something. I I respect. Baseball wife, I do truly respect that because I think I get along with the wife better than I leave. I get along with the players, the wife and family. And I think she is the best wife. She's the best wife coming out of baseball. You know what I mean? I, I know Harold Bain's wife is outstanding. Cartoon Fizz's wife was the best. You know what I mean? But I was lucky enough to, to God put me that, that lady next to me for the rest of my life. You love to talk and honestly, and I don't think there's a member of the media who doesn't mind listening to you. Were you like this as a child growing up in Venezuela? 
they say, little guys like you, they have to be let people know you are here. Mm-hmm. To, so I was little, 120 pounds, uh, small guy. And uh, you had to be the best in the field. You had to be making noise on the field, always acting like you're happy. And and, and that, that's the way I grew up. Uh, I just told the people the truth right in their face. And then I think, uh, like I said earlier, you not see a, a, a leader, a mute leader. You know what I mean? You know what to find those. Uh, you can find a crazy leader, a very erratic leader, very, maybe a leader you don't agree with him, but he's a leader. And and because they, they talk. And, uh, I, you know me, I mean, if you look at like 1985 when I got to the White Sox, I'm the same guy with my English was worse, obviously. It's still bad. It's still bad. Still a lot of work to do. But uh, I'm, 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 I think I, I had the same little bit smarter, little bit older, but I, seen, I had the same attitude since the first day I wore that White Sox uniform all the way to the last day I wore it. And I'm not like this. On the field, I think I'm I'm very outgoing off the field. I'm very shy. I know you. If I don't know you. I go someplace. I'm very shy. I stay away from people. To I start knowing you. The sooner I start knowing you, um, things change to the way it should be. You know what I mean? I'm very friendly uh, with people. Friendly with me. Very. Uh, I don't take stuff. You know what I mean? I don't take anything for granted. But also, I don't take anything uh, from anybody. I was there in 1985 when you came. And yes, I, I can tell people that you really haven't changed other, other than the fact that you were a skinny kid with a mustache, but you love to talk. And now, how many years later, eh, you've added a few pounds, you have a little bit of gray hair, but you're the same guy. Oh, that, uh, yes, obviously, you know me. I just say, I'm, you know me, I don't want to say I'm a better human being because I've always been. But uh, when you mature, when you have kids, my kids they have kids. You know, I mean, obviously, your life, your life changed a lot, and you know, people see me now with a beard, uh, uh, spotter, slower, and better <laughs> English. Uh, it, it, they, you know, I me, mean, but my life changed like any, anybody else does. You know, I me, mean, I, I see. That's why I love Chicago media, even when they was behind after me, uh, because when you talk to the media back then, it's like you talk to a friend. I, I, I used to go out drink with the media. I have talked to the media for hours when I was a player of the of records. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I talked to the media with the I got the only problems I have with the media or Gambian problem when I was talking of record with the manager. Uh, I told all those guys around me, they are my friends because we grew up together. All the song, couple of idiots out there make things happen, all the song I got in trouble. But I, I'm the same, man. I respect the media. I, I you know I me, mean? I'm part of the media right now. Sometimes when the media's with the player, with the manager, asking questions after the game. That's why I say, oh, media little be softer now. They're soft. Now they, because why, since 1985, I know what kind of question you guys are going to ask. I know now, but then, all of a sudden, you, you're nicer with the players. You're uh, nicer with the front office people, nicer. And uh, I don't know how, you know, it can change. It might be. But I don't see the type of media we have back in the 80s and the 90s. Oh, those guys was rough. Those guys was fair. That sometimes was unfair, and I learned from that. I learned from that, you know, how to deal with the with, with the media, regardless it was good or bad. You're talking about people like Jerome Holzman, Bill Gleason. That was kind of the old guard. But I'm, I'm telling you, those guys they don't put up with anything. They will tell Scott Rifle get to get away from me, you nobody. <laughs> I mean, now I think the media worry about 
a PR department go say something, the, the, the organization no one like what you write or what you see. Listen, how many problems the organizations had with media in the past? Thousands, every day. Why? Because media cannot say, media had to say what they see. You are colorful in your comments, and, and you tweet a lot. Do you, I know, I never tweet about baseball. I did, I, I did once, and it cost me 20 grand. I did one, and I was tweeting against the umpire, and it cost me 20,000 by myself. This is a, this is a time that like everybody knows what's going on. I don't tweet, I hope, I, I wish I made money under that. I just do it because I'm bored, and a lot of crazy people out there listen what I do. The long you make, do not make stuff up, the long you're not lying to the fans or whoever reads you or listen to you, uh, you can be living life, but sometimes media, uh, I, I don't believe that was out of context. I don't believe in that. If you write it, you write it. You, if I say something, if I can say one word and people go to translate that different ways. Even I say one thing means something to me, but maybe for somebody else means something else. Then that's why you got to hurt feelings. And that's why you have to be careful about now, nowadays. Nowadays, it's, it's I put what I say back in the days of what you guys asked me about about it. Well, I don't think we have a job right now. We'd be we'd be long gone because back then it was more more trust, more friendly and less people uh with a soft heart, if you can put it that way. I might disagree with you a little bit because I think the media might be just tougher these days. And if you're not talking about the media that just covers a team, you're now talking about something that happened while you were here, sports radio. And that's, I can tell you, sports radio can be very tough on people. Well, that, that's what they get paid for. You know what I mean? You know what it you know has a sports show? Just say, wow, how great the life is. How beautiful the moon look. Look at how sunny it is. Because nobody going to listen to you. You got to bring the good and the bad every day, no matter what it is. You got to find something to be controversial. How you doing, Ozzy? Oh, shut the fuck up. Oh. Why you, I know you like I know you like AJ. I know you love AJ the same way I am. But there's no reason you guys try to make lineups and shit right in the air when you you don't know. Well, wait, we're on the Ozzy, we're on the radio now, so we, we, we I understand that you think we're we're just having me and you are having the conversation, which we're gonna have, but we're on the radio. Tell you something, you're a good friend of mine too, but don't talk down to me. You understand? You ain't talking to one of your players. If you are bad every day, people are like oh my anti, you always say that thing. You know what I mean? But you have to be very noticed by that but you know that day media is, is, is harder because all the you know twitter and instagrams and tiktok all the no stuff, social media yeah it wasn't no social media you know you got to read the paper you got to listen to them you got to listen to the news nowadays before the game is over you know what's happening in the club because all the social media is into it and social media is is, is a big 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 thing about it and uh, in this life by the way social media got me in trouble with the white Sox. Uh, when social media wasn't the social media, just starting with tweeting, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Boyer. Yes. Uh, come to my kids. They, they asked my kids, is it, can I work? Can I do Twitter? Man, I don't know how to start a, a computer. I don't know how to start a phone. My kids asking what's going on, what's the deal. They, the White Sox put me in contact with a Junior and Oni in contact with some son lady from Phoenix, Arizona, to how doing tweeting, okay? They are tweet. Say, I, I don't know how. Well, this is a new thing. White Sox sent me to help you. White Sox sent her to help me tweeting, okay? First tweet, I did it. 
I just like, hey guy, how you doing? I knew you in, I knew you in tweet. Nothing. That's it. Next day I come to the ballpark of the media. I said, I said now you're in tweet. I said, I don't know. Then <laughs> I come out and Kenny went crazy. Why are you doing Twitter? I said, bro, I even know what Twitter is. What is that? He said, no, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then he can't even make it a big deal about my tweet. I, when, when I tweet, I never talk about my team. I never talk about baseball. Never did. I don't remember. And I'll make it a big deal. Then all the sun or the media put the attention and they asked me about my tweet. I said, listen, you know what? This sometimes I have. I know how to. I don't make any money out of this. And I, I know can't even make it a big deal about it. And all the sun... I done with baseball all the time. The White Sox tell the players to tweet, <laughs> you know. And and, and as, as I listen, I see players tweeting, tweeting ten minutes before the game start, okay? Because tweet tweet coming with the time you put it on, we take it off, or whatever it is the time. It, and I say, look at this thing. They're tweeting ten minutes before the game start, and the White Sox organization don't say anything about it. They might do, they might do, but they're not making public. And the, the only reason I tweet, be honest with you, is just because the White Sox organization told me to do it. He said, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to, I even know what, I even know how to write perfect pen um, the way I, it should be tweeting. I don't, I don't know how to write my tweet, the tweet I want to write, but I never write, I never tweet anything about, you know, White Sox back, back then. When's the last time you had your air ducts cleaned? Here's the best solution, Mr. Duct, a name Chicagoland has trusted for over 20 years. They work on your furnaces, air conditioners, and do repairs, maintenance, and installations. In other words, they're your all-around company for air quality choice and more. Mr. Duct provides on-site commercial ventilation cleaning estimates. You'd be hard-pressed to find better. So give them a call at 888-4-MR-DUCT. That's 888-467-3828. And Mr. Duct is the right choice to clean your residential dryer vents. They do a full inspection to make sure your dryers are running properly. Mr. Duct works with schools, health facilities, and office buildings to make sure you're breathing clean air. Their testimonials are endless, and with good reason. So don't think twice when you're ready to work on air ducts, dry vents, and so much more. Just think Mr. Duct. 888 for Mr. Duct. That's 888-467-3828. And find them on the web at mrductcleaning.com. I want to get back to that in a little bit, but your country has changed since you grew up in Caracas. What is it like now, Venezuela, as opposed to, say, 50 years ago? My Venezuela is great. My Venezuela, their Venezuelan is very bad. I think uh, government ruining this, ruined the country very bad. Uh, it's not easy for them to survive. That's why we have so many immigrants coming out of Venezuela. I watch the news every day, it made me sad, uh, made me cry, see kids uh, suffer with the parents coming to whatever, Mexico. Uh, obviously everybody wanna to come to the United States. But uh, it's, 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 this is a different place. It's a very different place. Uh, I couple uh, couple months ago, somebody from Venezuela, big time uh, radio guy, asked me about why you, why you changed in Venezuela. I said, I want my grandkids to go to Venezuela, to grow up in Venezuela the way I grew up. I want them to see the same Venezuela I grew up with. It's not what's the best one, but uh, Venezuela is outstanding, man. The only bad thing about Venezuela is the people. 
live there, the people uh, command that, that, that life, that country. I think people is in charge of the country. They're doing a horrible job. Uh, people's getting poor and poor every day. A lot of, you know I mean, hungry people. I don't think kids go to schools anymore. It's so many crazy things, you know what I mean? When you start leaving your country, after you know you have a rich country, that's sad because I think people live in a country for their own security and they, not security because they they want to live better. Security, it was very bad maybe 10 years ago. Now it got better. You can put it that way. It got better. It not got good, but it got better. And I told my kids and I told people, I said, I'd rather be in Venezuela than be in Chicago with all those things I watch in the news. In Chicago, they kill people every other day. Back home, thank God, they slow a lot. But uh, it's a different, man. It's different different life, different culture, uh, different opinions. Uh, a lot of people very sad, very upset. And I wish, I don't think our country going to be any better in the next 30 years, 40 years. I don't think, you know what I mean? It's going to be back that quick. Obviously, it's, it's, obviously it's not the same. Well, you just talked about Chicago. Chicago's changed too. It wasn't like this 50 years ago. So maybe there's the similarity between Chicago and Venezuela. Matter of fact, Ozzy, when you first came here in 1985, Chicago wasn't the kind of place that it is now. Well, Chicago was like, it was so dangerous. When I moved here, I said, don't live in downtown Chicago. And <laughs> I lived away in the suburb like an hour from the ballpark. And I like, God, I was excited. First year in the big league, I even here how much I had to drive. I was excited to be in the big league. But over the year, like, my God, this is too far. Now I moved to the same suburbs. It was in 1980s. But uh, uh, Chicago, man, I, I, I hope. You know, but be honest with you, I live a great life. I have a great life in this, you know, I picked the city to live and raise my kids. But I told Ozzy Junior every day, I said, man, I worry about my grandkids. I don't know what kind of Chicago they're going to get. I don't know. But you can resolve. I can say about Chicago, you can resolve that pretty fast. In one year, you can resolve bring, bring Chicago back what it was. Maybe one year, two years. In Venezuela, it's going to take decades. It's going to take a long time to, to feel the difference, feel the same. But here in Chicago, they had the opportunity to, in one year, they can change everything. But uh, I have people all over, you know, over the world they come to Chicago. Oh my God, how beautiful Chicago is! We go to visit you. You know, now now they they ask me like, hey, we go to Chicago next you know next week or next month. I like, hey, just be careful. I, I feel I feel weird and embarrassing to tell my friends they're gonna come to see this beautiful city. Just be careful. Be careful what you're doing. It's a lot of people out there crazy. Uh, I, I feel embarrassing because I never thought I gotta say anything about Chicago the way I'm doing it right now. There are a lot of good players, Major League Baseball players from Venezuela. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's only one in the Hall of Fame, and it's Luis Aparicio. How yes. often do you get to talk to him, and did you learn anything from him since he, like you, was a shortstop? In the White Sox first inning, Andres is greeted by Aparicio with a drive to right. Coach Don Gutteridge waves Louis around first, and he pulls up with a double. Wow, you know me, I was one of the luckiest kids grew up with their family. Uh, the guy raised me is in baseball. It was Ernesto Aparicio, his uncle. The only uncle Luis Aparicio had. Luis Aparicio Sr.'s brother was manager in uh, Gavilanes, King Gavilanes. You know, Ernesto was huge in baseball. And that guy grabbed me and teach me everything I know about baseball back then. 
uh, Aparicio, uh, I was lucky enough to get, I can say Aparicio is one of my friends. Uh, he's in Barquisimeto right now. When I was in Venezuela, I see him maybe twice a year, three times a year. Uh, I talk in the phone with him maybe twice a year, three times a year. Uh, Aparicio is different, man. Aparicio is different. He won't live his own life. He don't want to be around people. Uh, he want to be around his grandkids. But uh, I had the, the privilege every time I call, Louis, this is for you. And I can hear her in the back. In the back. I say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not here from no one. And his wife, Sonia, say, he's Ozzy. Oh, okay, okay. And now talking, talking to me for 10, 20 minutes, talking about everything. Uh, but uh, one of the best things ever happened to us is have Luis Aparicio. I, I, I have a big campaign for him maybe 10 years ago. I said, man, we know we know even care about Luis Aparicio. You go to another country. The Hall of Fame, they, they, they got, they, they treat. And we know, I know few, we had that in our country with Louis. And little by little, they start putting attention to it. And I think, I think Louis enjoying now more the big Hall of Fame than was in the past. When I first come to this country 30 years ago, I was a young, with very little in my pocket, but a full of dreams and a whole world to gain. And for baseball itself, what is why for me to be among the greatest player in baseball history, we always meet much more than I can say. You know I me, mean? uh, now we start think, talking about every player, talking about Luis everywhere. Thank you to Luis, number 11, number 11. And little by little, when Luis Aparicio's name is thanking back, back in the air and when everybody know who he was. You came to the United States as a 16-year-old seeking a baseball career. How hard was those first few years for you? Oh, boy. Oh, my God. <sighs> you know what? I don't want to see here and people say, oh, we don't want to feel sorry for you, Ozzy, because I don't care. They don't. I don't feel sorry for myself. But I think right now, baseball is so good with the kids. When you're 60 years old, first time you ever, ever jump in an airplane, ever get into the airplane, go to another country. When you walk into Miami, well, Miami back then, it was that many Latinos back then. Not like now. You know, right now, Miami is not the United States. Miami is it's Latin America. And uh, it's, it's just like, I don't know what to do. The thing we did say, just follow the guy who was with you on the airplane. And we did. All of a sudden, you got to check in this country, and they give you a passport. They ask you a question. You're just like, huh? I don't know what they're asking. And I only say, hey, baseball, baseball. They're looking at the visa, whatever. Uh, be honest with you, I was very disappointed. Very, like. I just told to my friend, I said, man, this is the United States of America. This thing sucks. This thing is terrible. <laughs> back home. But I say, well, back then we just saw the shows like Dallas. Oh, mama's gonna be just fine. She had to have her coming out party sooner or later. I know it might be an awful lot all at once. Stop worrying, Bobby. Punk and maybe it's take care of her. Now, why is it I think my older brother is always up to something? Yeah, you know I mean, those shows are everything, all things is Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, look at look at the, the beaches in California. Oh my God, look at the blonde. We never see a blonde person in my life. And all of a sudden it was <laughs> everything was TV. When I come to Bradenton, Florida, that was right out of my hometown. That was worse. I'm like, this is not the state of America. <laughs> oh my God, the one that told me the, the best country in the world, but little by little, then I went from there to Reno, Nevada. I have a great time there, California. But after that, I went to Texas, to Bowman, Texas. 
And when you was Latino in Boma, Texas, you do not they don't see you with pretty eyes. They, <laughs> I don't want to say uh, another thing, but they know that you know that was to work on in in in, in Texas. But uh, you know what? It was hard, man. Nowadays, nowadays you got they can they talk to you in English. They put you a, a, a Latino coach. They try to help you the most again. Before it, go get it. You don't hit, you get you get fired. You you get released. You know what I mean? It was uh, when the manager talked to you just all English. You try to, oh my God, okay, that's what that's what I was saying. It was easy because nowadays you you don't understand something. They have two three coaches around you. Say hey, this we got to work in cutoff, man. We got to do this. We got to work on bun. Back then, the coach talking, and you just like, okay, follow the leader, follow what is, <laughs> but you have to be thousand percent better than anybody else. If you want to hear more guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, all you have to do is go to Last Word on Sports on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to the many wonderful interviews we've done dating back to January of 2021. We resume with Ozzie Gian part one on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. When you first joined the White Sox in 1985, which of course is a great season for you, your rookie of the year, there were some pretty good players on this team. I did Carlton Fisk, Greg Walker, uh, Harold Baines, Ron Kittle, some good pitchers, and a manager whose name was Tony La Russa. Oh, you know what? That's why I told you I'm being blessed by God since January 20, 1964. Because I also look, we had Tom Seaver there, and we got Floyd Bonnetton. I grew up with the old-school baseball player, respect the game. My third base coach was Jim Leland. My first base coach was uh, Joe Nasik. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, Eddie Brigman was one of my, my coaches back then. You know what I mean? I grew up with the real baseball people. I don't grow up with friends, somebody in the office friend, the way he is right now. I grow up with baseball play, baseball people. And maybe maybe they are the biggest reason I am who I am and what I do, good or bad. Shot, Gian, keeps it in front of him. Look at this play by Ozzy. They won't be able to turn it over. But Ozzy keeping the ball in front of him, knocks it down. They get Evans at second, Barrett scores, and it's a 5-3 game. Boy, there was a rocket. Ozzy keeps it in front of him. Put a little hole in you, put a little dent. I had to take my that mentality of my brains to be like old school baseball, old school baseball. Baseball has been like that forever. You know, it's a little different now. Yes, yeah, different rules, different players. And like everything out in baseball, in, in life, everything changed. But I think that's those guys fall how I stick out with, a, with an old school more than anybody. And you listen to me talk and say, hey, bro, this is 2023. Just, you know, you know when you turn the page, we know 1980s. And I believe that. I believe that's still behind baseball in that, the way I look at the game, the way I see the game, the way I, I respect the players. And, I, the, you know I me, mean? I grew up with tough guys. Look at Tom Seaver and, and Carton Fish. They can beat the crap anybody, any anytime. Mm-hmm. And another pretty love and Hero Bain, very quiet, lovely little guys. Those guys love him. Then you see Tony Russo is a kid, uh, you know I me mean, managing you and tell you what to do, what you should do, what not to do every day. Jim Leland, you know I me, mean, two man, two of the best managers in the in the history of the game. There was my guys, my coaches, and I grew up listening to those guys. 
I, I was lucky, man. I was lucky to grow with those people. I was lucky to grow with those guys. I can call them friends. Yes. And uh, right now, you know, my best friend in baseball is Harold Baines. Uh, it's, it's, you cannot say that too many about baseball players. Because no, they, but they, I, I will tell you one thing. You talk as much as he talks as little. Oh, God. It's just, uh, do you know why? That's why we get along very well. <laughs> we, we play golf. And, and, and basically, it's not like that with me, like he's around people, but it's not like, wow, big change. Now he's the same guy. We play four hours of golf, sitting next to each other, and do the talk. I listen, he talk to me back, but he he's, he's had been the same guy from the first day I met him, all the way to right now, same guy. And uh, like I say, in this game, it's hard to keep friends because the soon the season is over, you go to different places. You disappear when your career is over, same way. You don't know where they are. You only find out where they are when they die. Or, you know, so, but besides that, baseball is just not a, it's not a family thing. Like people say, you, you, you still have some friends, but you play, you play with so many, you even know who they are and what they do. The fans really liked you for good reason in 1985. You played terrific. You were the rookie of the year. And I have to believe that that helped you a great deal as you moved on that that first year, those fans on the South Side took to Ozzie Guillen. They liked you. Well, you know one thing, because I always say hi to everybody in the stands. I always sign autograph for them. I, they know for a fact how hard I play for the White Sox. I know what's the best player, but I'm the one who played the hardest, and they had the one who had more fun. We, I played with great players, man. Oh, my God, I played with good ones. I managed good ones. But no one in the organization had more fun than me and love the organization the way I used to be loved. I still love them, but you know what I mean? Because those fans, since the first day, they respect me, they love me. A little bit different when you're managing. Obviously, you make, you know, you they think you make mistakes, you think you do things wrong, mm -hmm. then change a little bit. But besides that, the only thing I'm gonna tell White Sox fans is thank you for your support. Thank you uh, to believing me. Thank you to, to, to who you are with me, period. But it mean, wow, every, every time I put that uniform, man, it, 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 to me, it was winning. And everything in my, in my brain was about winning. Thank you to Tony, Jim Leland, Carton Fix, Tom My uniform was to win, not to make money or to, to make the All-Star team or to, I had dozens, two millions of Twitters, accounts, you know. Uh, to me, it was winning, winning, winning. The only thing it was in my, in, and we had a whole shit team, buddy. We got bad team by sometimes. <laughs> oh my God, very bad. When you want you the two best players in your team is Ozzy Guillen, you know how bad your team is. <laughs> I yeah. got an hour, would you? <laughs> you know, in those first couple of years, you and your wife, Ibis, welcomed two sons, and a few years later, a third. And I remember Ozzy, they ran around the clubhouse. They were crazy. These little kids are running all over the locker room. Yeah, but you know what? The reason when I was the manager, I let kids in the clubhouse, and that's against people's, you know, mentality, because those kids when they grow up, they don't see their father that lot, that much. Mm -hmm. Also, have a time. I said, listen, after the game, before the game, they stay here. The soon the game start, I don't want kids around. The soon the game's over, I want in the clubhouse. Some players like oh for four, they have a bad day. They don't want the kids around. I said, well, they're not the four. You suck that particular day. <laughs> That's okay. So, you know, I mean, I want kids in the club, enjoy the parents, enjoy the father, 
I want parents to be with the uh, the player, be with the parents. You know what I mean? It, 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 my club was thrilling about family. But, uh, you know, my kids grew up in baseball. Now I think they know baseball more than, more than I have. They talk <laughs> baseball every day uh, in my house. Now they have a, a channel, a baseball channel. Uh, they, they give in a grit in, a, in YouTube channel. And we talk about baseball every day. And the more, the more I talk to them about baseball, I learn more. It's no, it's just a uniform. It's a media size. I learn more for those kids. Every time I got something to do or something to say on radio, TV, uh, I did a national TV for a little while, like five years. Uh, there was, those guys was my, uh, uh, I say my, my right hand man to say, uh, my producer, my producer, my, my personal producer is my three kids. They know everything about the game. They know what's going on about single A, double A, triple A, the, 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 the best, uh, prospect who's terrible, who not, who, you know, I mean, the, all the, all those analytics, all the stuff, they know everything about it. And, and I think that helped me with my job right now. And uh, the best thing ever happened to me, man, the best thing is uh, had the wife to raise those kids the way they are. They're not perfect. They're not perfect. They hate them the way, the same way they hate me. But they love, they love it. They love it the same way they love me. But uh, they never take his last name for granted. They never take the last name for a, uh, uh, to see who who they was, no, nope. there was another kid in in, in Chicago. They're still here in Chicago, and uh, uh, it was one thing about it. You know what I mean? Like I say, they're not perfect, but they are perfect kid to my wife. That's only really I care, and the respect, the love they have for my wife uh, is amazing. And and I think I, I was lucky. Uh, first of all, I was lucky to raise them in Chicago. I got lucky. My wife got few friends in Chicago. And the the your old friend, the Bertucci family, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're my friends since 1985. Uh, we're still together, we still talk, we still t- touch every time. Marinella with my wife, you know, we have those same, you know, her uh, for a long time. And uh, and people, know, they know that as a lot of people forgot about the Bertucci's family. We don't. We know them for a long time. We still respect them. We still know. Uh, we walk to the clubhouse. We walk to the ballpark. It's like, oh, my God. You're still here. You're, I thought you was dead. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's the same people. I mean, the baseball changes. When I walk there, I see a lot of different faces once in a while. And and it's kind of weird. But, you know, back then, back in the 80s, White Sox, it was a family. White Sox was a family. It's like 80, 90. Nowadays, I don't know. Because we know the guy in the parking lot. We know the guys with the tickets. We know the, the, the you know, my best friends in baseball were the ground crew people. You know, but they still see me dressed up to do this show. They all hobby me. And, you know, we, we really have a great family back then when I was with the uniform with the White Sox. I'll tell you another great thing that happened to you, and I'm sure you're going to agree. You became a U.S. citizen, and I know that was a very emotional experience for you. Special. People, they don't know how hard that is. How many people die? How many people open the thing? How many people want to be American? It's a very honor for me to do that. Well, you know why? Because to me, it was more important to be. <laughs> they asked me, like, what's better feel, like, win the World Series or be United States citizen? I said, what? Win the World Series, they only going to remember you when you die or this day they claim to But you know how many? I, I never see anybody die to be 
a World Series champ. But I see a lot of people dying. A lot of people lost their life to be American citizen. And to me, that was very important because back in the days, I hate to be American citizen. I said, no, every year my wife said, well, we don't do this. Nope, I'm Venezuelan. I go with the visa. I come with the visa. I don't care. I got a working visa. No, no. I told my wife every year, say, hey, what? Then my kids start go to school here. My wife said, hey, we don't going to need it. Nope. I'm very, I was very stubborn about that, like always. My wife said, you know what? We're going to do it. We did it. And that's the best thing in our family. Besides give my kids education, it was come to be American citizen. And uh, it's a funny thing about it because I told you, I said, yeah, be American city, citizen cost me like at least $10 million in taxes. <laughs> I said, a lot of people to be American citizen. They even put the money yet and they have a passport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people say, you got a passport. They even, they even, they even pay taxes in, even if they pay like $200 in taxes and they already have a, uh, a passport. But I feel very proud, very pleased, and very thankful to this country. Very thankful for this country to to grab me to be American citizen. Very proud, proud to be American citizen. Listen, George, it's, a lot of people. They, you know, it's funny thing about this country. The people grow up in this country. They don't know what kind of country they have because they never went another place out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason. Uh, I, 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 I criticize people in this country because I don't say they, this is a perfect country. Never will be, but it's, 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 I never see any American go say, you know what? I'm going to move to Venezuela and live there. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to go to Mexico and live there. No, they live there to go to vacation. The company send you there and you know, you're coming back. But to say like, we say, my God, my dreams going to United States, I'll be American citizen. Millions and millions and millions of people here, they say that. I never hear one guy, not yet. Maybe they maybe they have say, you know what? I hate United States of America. I'm going to move to another place. Never say, I never hear that. And that's why this, this country, people should be proud. People should be pleased. People should take care of this country better. Worry about this country. Don't worry about the personal stuff. And I think that, that hopefully this country come back what it was when I got here. I don't know if it was good or bad. I know it's not a better country than this one. Like I say, it's not perfect, but it's the best country. My thanks to NBC Sports Chicago, Mike North on 670 to score, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Dallas the TV drama, and the late and great sports channel for those marvelous highlights. And my thanks as always to the people behind the scenes that help make this wonderful podcast possible. T.J. Reeves for putting us on the map, Will Hatzel for his crafty editing, Nick Tochi for our wonderful graphics, and to our new partner, Last Word on Sports. And to our presenting sponsor, Mr. Duct. You can find them at mrductcleaning.com. Tune in next week when we bring you part two with Ozzie Gian on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.